Book Two, Chapter Seventeen of Robert Falconer by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Robert Falconer by George MacDonald. Chapter Seventeen, Home Again. When Robert opened the door of his grandmother's parlor, he found the old lady seated at breakfast. She rose, pushed back her chair, and met him in the middle of the room, put her old arms round him, offered her smooth white cheek to him, and wept. Robert wondered that she did not look older, for the time he had been away seemed an age, although in truth only eight months. "'Who are ye, laddie?' she said. "'I'm right glad, for I have been thinking long to see ye. Sit ye doin'.' Betty rushed in, drying her hands on her apron. She had not heard him enter. "'Eh, losh!' she cried, and put her wet apron to her eyes. "'Sich a man as ye're grown, Robert. A poor body like me maun out be spaken to ye noo.' "'There's nae odds in me, Betty,' returned Robert. "'Deed but there is. Ye're sex feet and a hairy hours eyes worn.' "'I said there was nae odds in me, Betty,' persisted Robert, laughing. "'I cannot what may be in ye,' retorted Betty. But there's an uncle's upon ye. Hold your tongue, Betty, said her mistress. Ye ought to ken better nor stand John with young men. Fess more of the creamy cakes. Maybe Robert would like a drappy of porridge. Onything, Betty, said Robert. I'm at death's door with hunger. Run, Betty, for the cakes, and fess a loaf of white bread we cannot buy for the porridge. Robert fell to his breakfast, and while he ate, somewhat ravenously, he told his grandmother the adventures of the night, and introduced the question whether he might not ask Ericson to stay a few days with him. "'Any friend of yours, laddie,' she replied, qualifying her words only with the addition, "'if he be a friend, war is he new. "'He's up at Miss Napier's. "'Hoots, what for did not ye fess him in with ye? "'Betty!' "'Nay, nay, Granny, the Napiers are friends of his. "'We maun not interfere with them. "'I'll go on up myself once I have had my breakfast.' "'Weel, weel, laddie, eh, I'm blithe to see ye. "'Have you got many prizes, noo? "'Aye, have I. "'I'm sorry they're nay both of them, the first, "'but I have the first of one and the third of the other. "'I am pleased at that, Robert. "'You'll be a man some day if you hold from drink and from... from lean.' I never tell to lie in my life, Granny. Nay, I did not think at ever ye did. And what's that crater's shargar boot? Ow, oh, just going to be a crown of glory to ye, Granny. He worked like a horse till Dr. Anderson took him by the hand and sent him to the school, and he's going to make something of him or all be done. He's a fine crater, shargar. He took a moonlight flitting from here rejoined the old lady in a tone of offence he might have said good day to me i think you see he was feared at ye granny feared at me laddie whatever was feared at me i never feared anybody in my life so little did the dear old lady know that she was a terror to her neighbourhood simply because being a law to herself she would therefore be a law to other people a conclusion that cannot be concluded. Mrs. Falconer's courtesy did not fail. Her grandson had ceased to be a child. 
her responsibility had in so far ceased her conscience was relieved at being rid of it and the humanity of her great heart came out to greet the youth she received ericson with perfect hospitality made him at home as far as the stately respect she showed him would admit of his being so and confirmed in him the impression of her which robert had given him they held many talks together and such was the circumspection of ericson that not saying a word he did not believe he so said what he did believe or so avoided the points upon which they would have differed seriously that although his theology was of course far from satisfying her she yet affirmed her conviction that the root of the matter was in him this distressed ericson however for he feared he must have been deceitful if not hypocritical it was with some grumbling that the napiers especially miss letty parted with him to mrs falconer the hearts of all three had so taken to the youth that he found himself more at home in that hostelry than anywhere else in the world miss letty was the only one that spoke lightly of him she even went so far as to make good-natured game of him sometimes all because she loved him more than the others more indeed than she cared to show for fear of expressing an old woman's ridiculous fancy as she called her predilection a long-legged prude landless laird she would say with a moist glimmer in her loving eyes with the most ridiculous feet ye ever saw hardly room for five taws atween the two losh when robert went forth into the streets he was surprised to find how friendly every one was even old william macgregor shook him kindly by the hand inquired after his health told him not to study too hard informed him that he had a copy of a queer old book that he would like to see etc etc upon reflection robert discovered the cause though he had scarcely gained a bursary he had gained prizes and in a little place like rothaden long may there be such places everybody with any brains at all took a share in the distinction he had merited ericson stayed only a few days he went back to the twilight of the north his fishy cousin and his tutorship at sir olaf peterson's robert accompanied him ten miles on his journey and would have gone further but that he was to play on his violin before miss st john the next day for the first time when he told his grandmother of the appointment he had made she only remarked in a tone of some satisfaction weel she's a fine lass miss st john and if ye take to one another ye cannot do better but robert's thoughts were so different from mrs falconer's that he did not even suspect what she meant he no more dreamed of marrying miss st john than of marrying his forbidden grandmother yet she was no less at this period the ruling influence of his life and if it had not been for the benediction of her presence and power this part of his history too would have been torn by inward troubles it is not good that a man should batter day and night at the gate of heaven sometimes he can do nothing else and then nothing else is worth doing but the very noise of the siege will sometimes drown the still small voice that calls from the open postern there is a door wide to the jewelled wall not far from any one of us even when he least can find it robert however notwithstanding the pedestal upon which miss st john stood in his worshipping regard began to be aware that his feeling towards her was losing something of its placid flow and i doubt whether miss st john did not now and then see that in his face which made her tremble a little and doubt whether she stood on safe ground with the youth just 
waking into manhood. Tremble a little, not for herself, but for him. Her fear would have found itself more than justified if she had surprised him kissing her glove, and then replacing it where he had found it, with the air of one consciously guilty of presumption. Possibly also Miss St. John may have had to confess to herself that had she not had her history already, and been ten years his senior, she might have found no little attraction in the noble bearing and handsome face of young Falconer. The rest of his features had now grown into complete harmony of relation with his Wilhelm premature and therefore portentous nose. His eyes glowed and gleamed with humanity, and his whole countenance bore self-evident witness of being a true face and no mask, a revelation of his individual being and not a mere inheritance from a fine reed of fathers and mothers as it was she could admire and love him without danger of falling in love with him but not without fear lest he should not assume the correlative position she saw no way of prevention however without running a risk of worse she shrunk altogether from putting on anything she abhorred tact and pretense was impracticable with mary st john she resolved that if she saw any definite ground for uneasiness, she would return to England and leave any impression she might have made to wear out in her absence and silence. Things did not seem to render this necessary yet. Meantime, the violin of the dead shoemaker blended its wails with the rich harmonies of Mary St. John's piano, and the soul of Robert went forth upon the level of the sound and hovered about the beauty of his friend. Oftener than she approved was she drawn by Robert's eagerness into these consorts. But the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. While Robert thus once more for a season stood behind the cherub with the flaming sword, Ericsson was teaching two stiff-necked ewes in a dreary house in the midst of one of the moors of Caithness. One day he had a slight attack of blood-spitting, and welcomed it as a sign from what heaven there might be beyond the grave. He had not received the consolation of Miss St. John without, although unconsciously leaving something in her mind in return. No human being has ever been allowed to occupy the position of a pure benefactor. The receiver has his turn and becomes the giver. From her talk with Ericsson, and even more from the influence of his sad, holy doubt, a fresh touch of the actinism of the solar truth fell upon the living seed in her heart and her life burst forth afresh began to bud in new questions that needed answers and new prayers that sought them but she never dreamed that robert was capable of sympathy with such thoughts and feelings he was but a boy nor in the power of dealing with truth was he at all on the same level with her for however poor he might have considered her theories she had led a life hitherto had passed through sorrow without bitterness had done her duty without pride had hoped without conceit of favour had as she believed heard the voice of god saying this is the way hence she was not afraid when the midst of prejudice began to rise from around her path and reveal a country very different from what she had fancied it she was soon able to perceive that it was far more lovely and full of righteousness and peace than she had supposed but this anticipates only i shall have less occasion to speak of miss st john by the time she has come into this purer air of the uphill road robert was happier than he ever could have expected to be in his grandmother's house 
She treated him like an honoured guest, let him do as he would, and go where he pleased. Betty kept the gable room in the best of order for him, and, pattern of housemaids, dusted his table without disturbing his papers. For he began to have papers, nor were they occupied only with the mathematics to which he was now giving his chief attention, preparing with the occasional help of Mr. Innes for his second session. He had fits of wandering, though, visited all the old places, spent a week or two more than once at Bodyfold, rode Mr. Lammy's half-broken filly, reveled in the glories of the summer once more, went out to tea occasionally, or supped with the schoolmaster, and, except going to church on Sunday, which was a weariness to every inch of flesh upon his bones, enjoyed everything. End chapter 17